the Celtics Reddit podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We thought we'd do a quick temperature check here now that we finally know who the Celtics are going to be facing in the first round. Yes, unfortunately, it is the Brooklyn Nets. We've got Celtics Jay joining us for this one. Jay, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Um, maybe I'm in the minority of the opinion here, but I'm pretty excited and I'm stoked about seeing the New Jersey Nets. Uh, that's the <laughs> matchup that I wanted. Because I think if any team is going to send the New Jersey Nets to the outworld, it should be the Boston Celtics. Yeah, let's certainly hope so. And I thought we should start by looking at this Cavs-Nets game as it pertains to the Celtics. So, Jay, based on what you saw from this one, are you more or less confident heading into this first-round matchup? Sounds like you're more confident, but I want to hear why. I think I'm feeling about the same. Going into this game, I saw... What I think I kind of expected going in, which is that this is a Cavs team without really their best defensive player. Um, that would have been a really big difference maker. Um, and they've got a a lot of young players that are just really starting to scratch the surface of what they can do. I mean, Garland, that's that dude's a player. <laughs> that dude yeah. is a player. Um, but they just didn't have the weapons to be able to match up with with Kyrie and with KD. And and again, that's predictable. But the Celtics are not the Cavs in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just looking at the defensive numbers alone, the last 15 games of the season, the Celtics had the, what, the number one ranked defense and the <laughs> the number one ranked offense. If you look at the Cavs side of the coin there, the Cavs 24 ranked defense and the 17 uh, ranked offense. So it's difficult to sort of, I guess, draw comparisons between the Cavs and the Celtics as to okay, like how would the Celtics have reacted in those situations throughout the game? Because they're just completely two different sides of the coin to, to continue with that analogy. But having said that, Jay, there must have been some things that for you were a cause for concern. I know you tend to err on the side of optimism, but you know, looking at this game, what were the sort of things that stood out to you as being a little bit terrifying as we now head into this, this net series? Regardless of, yeah, regardless of my optimism, you can't, you can't sleep on what KD and Kyrie can do. Um, as, as enthusiastic and excited as I am about the prospect of the Celtics sending them to the outworld, <laughs> those two guys can do things offensively that other players, by and large, cannot do. I, I do think that's weighed out and balanced out a little bit by our emerging stars that are really, I think have really this year demonstrated, if not equal, just about as close as you can get to equal levels of offensive impact. And and by the second half of the season, I mean, the Jays were just, they've been forcing their will. The way Jalen's going to the basket, the way Jason's playing the game right now. So, I mean, I, I know I'm kind of skirting what you're actually looking for. I just, I don't know. I, I don't watch this game and see a lot of things that concern me because what I saw was actually a lot of things that the Cavs weren't or couldn't do that we've seen the Celtics do consistently over the second half of the season and really on the defensive end the entirety of the season. So I'm feeling pretty good. 
Yeah, you, you're right though. There's How not, are you feeling? Are you nervous? A little bit nervous. And one thing that stood out to me was uh, like the the DraftKings um, like betting odds just came out, and they've got the Celtics as slight underdogs going into this series. And Vegas, they like to make money. Over Easy there. money, baby. Yeah, I hope so. But you know, those guys tend to know what they're talking yeah, about. Responsibly, <laughs> of course. Uh, we're never going to get a betting sponsor on this podcast. Um, but yeah, a little little cause for concern there just with those figures alone. I, I thought that uh, i got a couple of points here. So the Nets attacking in transition off of the Cavs turnovers. Again, difficult to predict if the Celtics are going to give up as many turnovers as the Cavs did. Hopefully not. Um, they looked very dangerous in transition tonight. There's a Reddit user on the game thread, Horseshoe Overlook, who said... With regards to Kyrie, Kyrie's going to do that against Daniel Tice a hundred times, and he'll get fouled in the process as well, thanks to the war on Tice. Um, Kyrie w- was getting downhill uh, and was getting to the hoop and essentially scoring from from seemingly everywhere. That said, he will be defended by the high potential defensive player of the year throughout the series. So again, maybe that's a wash there. And the, the main thing, two things really to, to close on here, KD draining shots from everywhere, despite the defense being draped all over him. Like you said there, Jay. And the Bruce Brown... He's going to do that. Yeah, he he will do that. And we're just going to have to live with that. They do have other plays that they can succeed with. One of them being the the Bruce Brown short roll. And I think having Time Lord for the whole series would have been sort of a near crucial element defensively for us there. And that he can sit like position himself basically between Bruce Brown and the potential lob recipient and defend the shot and the lob at the same time. And he's like one of maybe five players league-wide who can do that physically. Uh, with that time, Lord, there in that position defensively. That could be a problem. But, you know, that's a short list, right, of things to be concerned about. So, I don't know. Do you want to hear the other side of it? Please. Yeah, let's hear it. So, the other side of that, too, though, is one thing that I noticed throughout the entirety of this game is the Cavs were letting Kyrie hide on defense all night. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure what their game plan was going in. I mean, Bickerstaff has been a great coach throughout the season, but it definitely seemed like either the team wasn't really fully like locked into what the game plan was, or maybe the game plan just wasn't really tailored how it needed to be. But they were letting Kyrie get away with not playing really great defense. And that's just not going to be happening against the Celtics. Like He's not going to have anyone that he can hide on. What, he's going to hide on Tice? Mm -hmm. Like, Tice... I mean, okay, but <laughs> like, good luck, I guess. Um, the other thing is, yeah, like you had mentioned, he's going to have to go through Marcus or Jalen or <laughs> Jason or Horford. And I'm like, like all these guys have played with dude and they spent a couple of years like learning his whole bag and how he works. Now, does that mean we're going to be able to lock him down or lock him up like we did Simmons? Right. Like, no, no, we're not going to lock up Kyrie and have him go over whatever. Kyrie's going to get some buckets. I mm-hmm. mean, Kyrie's going to do fuck you Kyrie things. Like, that's what he does. Yeah, <laughs> and he's absolutely. He's a brilliant basketball player, but he's got his work cut out for him because not only is he going to have more work on the defensive end, but the other thing is the Cavs weren't really able to. There was a couple of points where the Cavs made it kind of interesting there, especially late. But ultimately, the Cavs just couldn't put enough pressure on the New Jersey Nets to get those guys winded. I mean, the only one on the nets that was winded, and this was after like four minutes into the game, was Andre Drummond. Yeah. <laughs> but then even throughout that game, Drummond's beating Mark Cannon down the damn floor. Yeah. And here's the thing. Drummond ain't beating our guys down the floor. I'm sorry. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wouldn't have beat Jared Allen down the floor. You know what I mean? Like, so there's just these different dynamics that I, I think 
A lot of people will look at what Kyrie and KD were able to do and get their buckets, but it's it's just not going to be the same. They're going to have to put in more work on defense against the Celtics, and they're going to have more of their work cut out for them trying to score on this team. They will score, but it's going to cost them a whole lot more, and they're not going to have as much gas as they had in the fourth quarter of this game against us. Yeah, totally. And segues nicely into talking about the, I guess, the more optimistic takeaways. And we, we've kind of just naturally gone there anyway, Jade, because it's kind of, that's just the way that we roll. But you mentioned them not putting Kyrie under any pressure defensively. They did a much better job of that in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. We saw Karis LeVert take Kyrie to the hoop on multiple occasions with no, you know, no resistance really and very little help. And, you know, Karis LeVert, his finishing in the paint there was, uh, lackluster to say the least and you put Tatum, Brown, even Smart in those positions and they're going to shoot at a much higher clip there so really really healthy happy takeaway it's going to help me sleep at night between now and, and Sunday when we see that first game what are the other optimistic takeaways for you Jay? Well, one of the things is the coaching dynamic like I mentioned a little bit like it seemed like either the game plan wasn't perfectly tailored or maybe the the team just wasn't fully engaged or, or or locked into it but another thing that stood out to me was at one point during one of the timeouts when when they you know let the the audience be kind of tuned in to to Bickerstaff you know I overheard him say and, I, and I'm forgetting all the exact context but but my point is that it's not really it doesn't matter the context but the words we don't have a chance came out of his mouth when he was yeah. talking to his team and <laughs> And I don't mean to overstate because he wasn't telling his team that they don't have a chance. He was saying, if we don't do something, we don't stand a chance. But when you're in a game like this, I don't care what the circumstances are there. Like psychology is a real powerful thing. And and belief is a real powerful thing for for good reasons and for bad reasons. And so when you even put that language in your players heads for whatever reason, like when those kinds of words come out of your mouth, it it wires differently. And those are not the kinds of statements that will come out in any context from email you, like you just will not get any of that nonsense sure. and that that feeds into the the whole culture that's kind of grown with this core as well like even before email got here like that's that's marcus and jalen's and, and jason's mo at this point horford's mo at this point like they don't they don't quit like they'll take an ass whooping they've done it <laughs> they've taken an <laughs> ass whooping but they don't quit uh, and this year has only taken that to another level. And so I think there's a, a, a level of resolve that Ime brings to this squad and and ge- like generates and exudes through these players out on the court that you don't see in a lot of other a lot of other teams. And it's special when it is there. I think we see it a little bit with like Monte Williams and Phoenix. Um, and I think we're seeing it with Ime and the Celtics. And that's something that. I'm not sure Nash has been able to fully cultivate over there with the Nets. So we'll we'll see. I mean, ultimately, the games have to get played, right? And so I'm not trying to like be totally overboard. But hey, if we're going to go into a playoff series, I'm going in. <laughs> I'm going in ready and excited. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it somewhat nervously because it is Kevin Durant. But uh, you, I think you made a really good point there with the, the whole email Udoka thing and the, the, the coaching side of things. And a lot of people have been nitpicking that, you know, Udoka is a, a rookie head coach and we don't know what he's going to be like in a playoff series. And, and there might be some element of truth to that, but he does have a lot of playoff experience with the Sixers and the Nets. Uh, previously with the Spurs and quite you know successful experience with the Spurs as well. You know, part of the, the very healthy flourishing Greg Popovich coaching tree. So yeah, it's his, it's his first go of it 
at the helm, so to speak, but it's not like he's never been in the room for a, a playoff preparation discussion or been on the sidelines for, for playoff coaching. So he, he has been there in a sense, and he's been there for us all year as probably the runner-up coach of the year. So I, I think there's lots to be confident and hopeful about from the Udoka perspective. Um, sticking with other points of optimism, the KD less the lineups without well, let KD. Me, let, me, let me just hit one more thing that you kind of brought oh, up. please. Because I think there's there's one more level to something you brought up, which is that he's got Ime has some intimate experience working with that Nets team. Right. Like not only have our players spent time learning like the ins and outs of, of playing against Kyrie because of their time with them, but he may spent time with that entire squad, that coaching staff, those stars. And so he's also got intimate knowledge of what they're coming into that game with. And and he's obviously going to equip these guys with with what they what he feels they need to know and understand in order to be effective and impactful against these guys. And. Um, you know, it's I think it's an important point that's kind of been underappreciated to this point. And I want to throw some some credit out to user Chris Matic 13 and the sub because he did just throw up a post um, that was speaking specifically to that point. Uh, and I think that's something that whether it ends up getting acknowledged in the media coverage going into the the series or not, um, that it does it does have some weight to it. And and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. A good call out. Another Reddit user comment. We'll, we'll stick with the, the Reddit users for a second here. This is from 18JBJT. The Nets will have a tough time with a team that has an offense. <laughs> End comment. And if you look at the, the <laughs> even the, the sort of struggling offensively Cavs tonight, we're getting good looks. We talked about Karis LeVert getting into the paint. They're getting wide open threes, uh, marketing, getting lots of wide open shots. Uh, Kevin Love as well. Um, the Celtics are going to be able to generate even better looks than that, and they have the personnel to, to knock down those looks or to make the extra pass or to exploit those opportunities. And the Cavs just weren't able to do that. It's not like it's been a strong point for them throughout the season. You know, one of their best players is a rookie. Uh, he's been great, but, you know, come yep. crunch time, come playoff time, it's not necessarily something that you can rely on. Uh, a real promising takeaway, perhaps the and most promising takeaway. they some really takeaway. unfortunate injuries. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, fun to imagine what that game would have looked like with Rubio and Jarrett Allen uh, and Okoro, I guess, on, on the oh, court as well. Time. But I don't think they would have been in the play-in game. Yeah. I'd say so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing is the KD-less lineups are not particularly terrifying, Jay. Like, uh, we saw it. KD went to the bench, I think, <laughs> early in the second quarter. So they dropped 40 in the first quarter, you know, and people were riding the, the Cavs obituary already at that point. Then the second quarter, Katie goes out, and even when he comes back in, it's like they struggled to get that momentum back. And up until the final minute of the game, the Cavs, sorry, the Nets only scored ten points, and then Kyrie comes in and scores like a quick seven points or whatever it was in the final minute to make their quarter total somewhat respectable. But that was a nice early game bed shitting, nice from the Celtics fan perspective, and that we want to see that. Um, so not a lot that they can really hope for with Katie on the bench. He's going to play a lot of minutes. He played a lot of minutes in this game. And he's going to have to be good in all of those minutes and then still rely on some of his teammates for the, for the Nets to have a chance against the Celtics. I'll call it right now. Once they get to their elimination game, he's going to play the whole game through. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's going to play every minute <laughs> of that elimination game. Yeah. Unless it's a blowout. And then, and then they'll probably sit him once there's like, you know, two minutes or whatever. But yeah, yeah, they're going to have to lean on both those guys. And that's why I'm saying like, they're going to get exhausted, man. Like, they're just, it's going to be exhausting for them. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't care if their fans fully understand, but 
like that Nets team has to know that this is not going to be a fun ride for them at <laughs> all. Because not only do we just have a, a high quality team, like a, a quality team that really just dwarfs what we had last season. And last season wasn't really a team to sneeze at, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, they 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 weren't at the level that would have been, you know, the most enjoyable and, and get to the chip or what have you. But it was still it was a gutsy group and it was a well-coached group. But yeah, th- these guys, they are going to get worked and every minute of it because Ime's been getting these guys conditioned to be seven, eight for a game for this whole season. I mean, he's basically been playing a playoff lineup all season and. You know, there's some that would kind of worry a little bit about that. Like maybe that's like a Thibodeau syndrome and and we're just going to like wear folks out. But guys aren't playing 40 minutes like he does seem to have a pretty decent balance on it. Um, And he's also just everyone just seems in freaking remarkable shape. Yeah, I'm not saying that we've had years where where these guys haven't been in shape. But like Marcus, I think, is one of those guys that and listen, I'm the biggest Marcus fan. But I'll also acknowledge Marcus is the one guy on the team that I think sometimes, you know, will will be in and out of conditioning at different times but this season i mean from the jump this guy is not messing around yeah he i mean he's just been he said like the model of it he said he feels the best he's ever felt which is you know music to our ears as celtics fans like we're we're about to have to defend kyrie irving and switch on to you know potentially you better be ready (laughs) because you're gonna you listen if he gets the the deep the defensive player of the year this will be his opportunity to just like show the entire NBA world, why? And if he gets snubbed, which would be criminal in my opinion, um, he'll be able to just show how ridiculous voting against him was. Totally, yeah. Either way, it's a win-win for us, that is. So a couple of other points of optimism I want to rattle off there, and then I'll throw it back to you, Jay. Because there were so many, I think, coming into this game. One of them is just the end of the game and how much of a struggle it was for the Nets to pull this one out against a limited Cavs team limited in their capacity offensively and defensively, limited in their personnel, uh, you know, it, it took a bit of a stand there at the end for the Nets for them to, to pull this one out. And, you know, we've already talked about the the dramatic differences in quality between the Celtics and the Cavs. If that's what a game looks like for the Nets against the Cavs, you know, it's not like for like, but you can just, the obvious takeaway is that it's going to be you know, a lot harder for the Nets to, to win against the Celtics. So huge optimistic takeaway there. The other one being that uh, Seth Curry, as much as I do not wish poor health on anybody ever, he does not look like your mum and dad's Seth Curry, right? He looks like a new, very, very limited, injured uh, Seth Curry. And while that's bad for him, and I hope that he gets better soon, very, very good for the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, it it just it limits, you know, a, pot- a really potent potential weapon for the Nets, for sure. Um, and then they got to lean a little bit more on guys like Patty Mills, who also can be a really effective player. I mean, that guy can get hot from deep. You let him get going and, and he can be as much of a problem as anybody. But if you can keep him from getting going, then, you know, he's he's certainly a little bit easier to contain than than Seth or Kyrie. So um, the other thing is when you watch this game, two things stood out to me, which the first one was the Cavs ball movement was really rough, really, really rough. I mean, they were just throwing some bunnies basically right at the nets. Like they were just giving the ball up. And then even on their fast breaks, they were just bungling all of that. And that's just not something we've seen. Like even when this team was struggling, like when this team struggled and they were going too heavy with the ISO ball, like that's, I would, I would worry about that. Right. But what we've seen consistently 
most especially since, you know, the trade deadline passed is this team is committed to moving that ball and pretty crisp. I mean, we've struggled with some turnovers a little bit late, but I'm pretty confident going in that we've got a team and a concept and a strategy approach that is going to be pretty potent against this defense. And and I don't know that they're ready to make the rotations that our ball movement is going to be demanding of them. Yeah, I hope you're right. And we're certainly going to find out soon enough. The the one other point of optimism I had was that Kevin Love had so much room to operate. It was really noticeable as soon as he checked into the game and then throughout his little stints through the course of the game. I was kind of disappointed to see that he didn't play more minutes because it just looked like he just had these wide open pockets of space in which to operate. And, you know, you throw Al Horford into that situation, Jason Tatum, who in terms of his physical dimensions is sort of similar height, uh, not really build, but you can imagine Tatum getting into those positions as well. It's just, you've got to feel good going into a series. If, a, a, you know, one of the best players on the Cavs, Kevin Love, he's not who he used to be, but he's still someone you need to respect defensively, had these wide open looks and had all this room to operate in the post and grab rebounds and get tip outs and things like that. If Kevin Love's you know, not getting the attention that he should be getting, then I think that's another positive takeaway for for Celtics fans. But with that said, I'm out of optimistic takeaways. I've heard people say, yep, no worries, Celtics in seven, which is a terrifying reality to me. If we get into a game seven against Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, (laughs) where things tend to go ISO and, and things like ball movement and those other concepts that we've leaned heavily on throughout the year, suddenly we're going back and forth, ISO v ISO. Kevin Durant is going to win that battle. 100,000 times out of 100,000 times. So that is terrifying. It's got to be Celtics in five, got to be Celtics in six, and we've got to win like handsomely in all these games because crunch time is, is not uh, a situation we want to be in with, uh, with these nets. All right, Ben. <laughs> Listen. Can you build me back up, Jay? <laughs> I'm struggling so, here a bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. The. the, the idea, so, the, listen, if we get into an ISO competition with the nets, yeah, we're we're going to have a tough time. It's going to be a long a long night and an, probably an unfortunate night. Because I don't think there's too many teams that are going to be able to iso against those guys and out ice like those are two of the best iso players to do it. Like th- they just are. And had this been last year's squad, I would have those same concerns cuz cuz that was really that was our MO. The Jays would iso and try to be superstars and and they weren't quite at that level. And it's ironic that this season they kind of developed the understanding of when they actually let go of that a little bit, that's what elevates them to that superstar level because it brings up the level of those around them, which then gives them more room to operate and be special. And I think a lot of that, you know, from what we've heard, I mean, some of that comes from their own maturity over these years and the, the you know, the successes and the failures that they've had. I mean, that's how we grow. That's how we learn. And, and they've been no exception and they've really owned that. But then I think Ime's done a really nice job. It would seem, at least from our perspective, from what we can see and hear, that he's done a really good job of keeping them grounded and keeping them focused on staying really committed to what that game plan is. And so I do understand that that concern and that worry and I agree with you if it gets into an ISO match I I think that's going to be a really tough a tough out I just don't see that happening I don't see that that would be the Celtics playing into a Nets trap Mm -hmm. like that's what the Nets would want the Nets would want the Jays to try to do this all themselves and show up Kyrie and KD one up I just don't think Ime's not a guy that's got that ego. And I think they've really seemed to adopt a lot of his like swag and confidence in that 
We really don't care what people have to say. We don't care what people have to think. We're going to play our game because this works. Mm. And that's why they're smoking people. Like they're just, they're beating the shit out of people (laughs) because they're just not, no matter whether they're down or up, they're just playing the same way. They don't give a shit. (laughs) You know, like how many times had we seen this squad previously give up big leads because they get the lead, they get cozy, and then the team comes back. And we just saw the Nets fall into that trap with their ISO heavy offense, right? Because the moment you miss a couple of shots, the other team gets that momentum going. But what we've seen over the last few months with the Celtics squad is, nah, they don't care. You're up by 10. Cool. We're going to keep playing our game. We're going to wear you out. We're up by 10. Cool. We're going to keep wearing you out. Yeah. I mean, you're right. <laughs> so I'm I'm all set. You're right, particularly with what we've seen in the regular season. The, the problem with this dominant stretch, and I'm not the first person to say this, is we've seen so little crunch time. And crunch time is almost the one unanswered question for the Celtics going into the, the postseason. And it's a myth. <laughs> I mean, I hope that it gets quashed in, in this first round. And, uh, you know, well, I don't know if I do, because that means crunch time has to happen. And then I might have a heart attack. And I certainly don't wish that upon <laughs> myself or anybody else. But I just I worry about, you know, a, a possession for the Celtics where we just need that, like, got to throw the ball to Tatum or Brown and get a bucket. It's like that kind of possession. And I just ha- haven't seen enough of that, particularly in high stakes situations, to feel confident or comfortable going into those situations and you look at the nets on the other side Kyrie and durant long storied careers of doing exactly that and furthermore you know a pillar for the celtics has been their heavy switching defense what's what are you switching on in in an isolation possession there's no there's no screens there's no switch opportunity and so they just you know get a mismatch they they iso on that and that's it if they iso in the middle of the court and spread their offense, all of our defenders are completely taken out of the play. You know, you're looking at multiple consecutive possessions with KD or Kyrie going one-on-one against a defender, possibly of their choosing if they set it up nicely enough. And and that's what worries me, that they're going to take us out of our element, take us away from what we do best, and then just beat us with experience. So it could happen. Damn, I was meant to get all optimistic on this all podcast. Right, <laughs> let's, Sorry. <laughs> let's, let's, all right, but so let me help you, let me help you out. Let's think about that for a second. Now, me personally, I think the whole like, you know, do we have experience in crunch time? And, and if you don't have experience in crunch time, you're you're going to be at a disadvantage. Like, I think that's a bit of a myth. I think that's a I think it's a little bit of a trope. Uh, these guys have been playing competitive basketball their entire damn lives. Uh, you know, they there's certain players seem to do really well in those high tense situations. Um, and from. Each of these each of the Jays rookie seasons and, and throughout Marcus's entire career with the Celtics, they've had plenty of crunch time opportunities and to get that experience. I mean, these guys have seen multiple conference finals. They've been in clutch games. They've lost some of those clutch games, which is, I think, more valuable than anything else. I mean, regardless of what crunch time experience they got this season, the Jays know what it feels like to be in a pivotal game seven. They were a game seven away from the finals. Yeah. So like the whole crunch time dynamic on its own, separate from any context, I think is a little bit overplayed sometimes. But even in this context, I just don't even think it's applicable. The other thing, though, is let's even go there. Though. Let's think about that crunch time. Last you know, two minutes of a game, it's close. Each team has five players on the floor. Who, who are the 
who are the five players on the floor for us in the, in the final two minutes of a, of a crunch time game? Closing lineup, okay. Uh, the Jays. Uh, in this situation, we're looking at no Rob, okay, so we can, we can probably rule him out. So it's the Jays, it's Al Horford, it's Marcus Smart, and probably Derek White, I think. I think in terms of people who, as much as I personally would prefer a bit more shooting out there, I think it comes down to who Eme trusts, and I think that's the five. Would you agree? I do. I I think it'll be either, like you said, I think it'll either be white or it'll be Grant, depending on sort of the needs of the moment and what lineup maybe they have out there. I'm guessing their their closing lineup, depending on who's playing better of their bigs, it'll be Claxton or Drummond. Uh, If it's Drummond, then whoever we have that's a big is going to be like sprinting past him every damn possession. Mm -hmm. And if it's Claxton, um, you know, he was able to take a lot of advantage of a Cavs team that just doesn't really, I think, have equal athleticism. Yep. And so they were able to really capitalize on a lot of that. And, and they, the other point, so going more into that, though, not to go on a tangent, to stay where we're at. So go to that five-man lineup. Let's say it's white. Where's the mismatch? I mean... <laughs> the, the, <laughs> like that you're terrified okay, of, right? The, like, no, the mismatch is... Right? D, D. White ends up on KD. That's not ideal. But, but it, it, it's not like... It's not like Kyrie on Giannis. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. But the the mismatch. It's not like Kyrie having. To, it's not like Kyrie having to get like put on Jalen or Jason, right? The mismatch is KD on anyone, as we've seen. He's not deterred by a hand in his face, in his shooting pocket. He, you know, if if he can physically get the ball out of his hands in a shooting motion, then there's a high probability that that ball is going in. And for whatever reason, because he's a bowler, that probability increases in in crunch time. And, uh, you know, they have that superpower. We do not, I think. Support for the Celtics Reddit podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. We are happy to introduce them as our first sponsor. They're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Jay and I both have ours. I have used mine multiple times. My wife has used it on me as well. <laughs> Too much information, I apologize. But join over 4 million men. That's, that's a different podcast, man. <laughs> join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. We have an exclusive offer for you, our listener, who we love, and we hope you use it. It's 20% off, free worldwide shipping with the code CRPOD at manscaped.com. And if my math's correct, that's 8 million balls. Jay, how are you liking the Manscaped? Man, I got to tell you, uh, I don't know what's smoother right now. Uh, my my nether regions or you handling that promo <laughs> bit right there. Like, I don't know which is. But I'll tell you, I remember being a younger version of Celtics Jay. And 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 first, you know, venturing out into that that dangerous and terrifying world of dating, right? And you know, you you've realized you've gotta you've gotta be up to par, right? Like you've gotta keep things the, the way you, you want to keep your your place the same way you'd want your partner's place to be kept, right? Like you want some equity there. Yeah, sure. I remember the first, but there's no tutorials on this. No one really talks to you about any of this. And the, you don't know you need like any special considerations. This is first time I ever went at this, I'm telling you right now, it looked like a carry movie. It was, a, <laughs> it, was a, it was a disaster and it was everywhere. I didn't know what was happening. And so the fact that there's some like, you know, focused products specifically designed to, to help keep that business secure 
I, I think I, that's an important thing. And I think it's an important discussion to have with young men everywhere, young men and women for that matter. Because right. again, this, this type of hygiene is not unique to any particular gender here. Like we're, this is, this is boundaryless. Uh, I'm especially what I really like about it too is I've gone through so many trimmers in the past that just are like these flimsy plastic cheapos, you know, man. Ridiculous. That's not nonsense. the case. These are like and I travel. Spaceships. I'm on the road all the time. I can't be having that kind of mess. Yeah, I know. And so the fact that this is just like a, a well-made, like you know, you can feel it. Like it just feels like it's well put together. It's got the right kind of heft to it. Um, and I also dig the fact that it's waterproof, and I don't have to like you know try to hover above the freaking toilet every time. And there, to, like you know, and it's like that's a delicate. I'm not as coordinated and well balanced as it was as a younger as a younger Jay. <laughs> That's right. And so we've got the performance package 4.0. Like I said, we both already used it. I love it. It's wonderful. That comes with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant that works. Trust me. The crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a, tra- a sweet little like leather travel bag that is super nice so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code crpod at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free sh- shipping at manscaped.com use our code that's right we have an advertiser crpod unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped i mean teams have been beating him since he left the warriors yeah though. you're right you're right i mean i get it i'm not and i'm not i'm i i you're totally right like kd is ridiculous i like he's he's another he's a whole different kind of level of of offensive player for and defense like he's a good defender too let's not let's not like sell him short he is phenomenal i'm not trying to be ridiculous and undersell that but you know he can get matched up with with like anybody on that Cavs team and it's a mismatch it's like someone that just can't even hang I just don't see a player that's that exploitable on this squad and on top of that this team the Celtics have a scheme that throughout the entirety of this season has demonstrated a capacity to really mess shit up for opposing teams regardless of who the superstars are like what players this year were able to do the things that we had been watching other star players do to us over the last three seasons. And maybe, yep. maybe some of this is like, we're traumatized from those experiences, I right? Think, yeah. That's like, a huge part we of were it. Always the team. Yeah. We were always the team that the other players, best player or second best player would just go off and have a career night on. Like even Kemba was a guy that would like just destroy us. <laughs> that being said, it was typically and usually against Kyrie. Just saying, <laughs> um, but, but it's just it's just not the same. You know, it's just not the same. I think there KD is is going to get buckets. And right, you don't want to be in crunch time if you can avoid it with him because there is there's going to be the risk of getting beat at crunch time. But I think it's not as lopsided as it even was last season mm-hmm. because Tatum's a different player. Jalen wasn't even in that series and he's a different player. So now he's in the series and he's a different player. They're both, they've both taken their playmaking up to another level. Again, you got to wear out KD and Kyrie in the first half. You got to gas them out, right? You, you got you to gotta get them worn out so that when crunch time comes, if it does come, then those shots are getting front rimmed. And here's the thing. We saw 
what Tatum can do when he's matched up with KD. And he's not going to stop him 10 times or 9 times out of 10. But you don't need to stop KD 9 or 10 times out of 10, right? You you just got to be able to... you just you got to be able to just make it as hard as possible. And then you let it, you know, you let the cards fall where they may. But who in the Eastern Conference would be a better guy to match up with KD than Tatum? Giannis. Who's better? Giannis. But Tate, but is, I, I mean, yes, I, I'll say, I'll say that's, he's got a slight edge. I'll give <laughs> that slight edge. But Tatum has the advantage of he's a better shooter. And so he's got to get guarded on the perimeter a whole lot more. And so, again, I think a lot of my enthusiasm and optimism comes from the fact that Tatum and Brown are going to have to, they're going to put equal pressure on that Nets defense as their two stars will put on us. The big difference then is that we've got a much higher quality surrounding team around our guys. Yeah. We just do. I agree with you. That's the thing. If you look at it logically and you remove all the motion, which I guess is what I'm struggling to do here, Jay, if you just look at it logically almost as a science, the the Celtics are through and through a better team. Do the Nets have the best player? Yes, absolutely. Do the Celtics have the next best two players? I think you can make an argument for yes when you factor in the defensive weaknesses that you can exploit out of Kyrie. So in a playoff series, I think you can make an argument that we have the second and third best player. Um, And if you look at the... And we saw what happened to Kyrie in the playoffs when he gets deed up legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> like we saw him get completely locked up against Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you can, you can mess up Kyrie's day. He'll, he can have a game where he just goes supernova. Like he'll have one of those. He just, he just will. But I mean, let him. All right, steal a game. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I guess I was a little <laughs> like, shaken by the the DraftKings odds that the Celtics are. Now, slight underdogs, like, you know, like I said, folks in Vegas, they, they like their money. They, they tend to know what they're talking about when they set these odds. and Well, and they're trying to make money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, you're right. And I'm not a big enough gambler. And the to, NBA is trying to make money. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. are right. I do agree with you. And I've felt completely confident <laughs> uh, all season. Like we've talked about it on the podcast multiple times. Like, bring on the Nets. Yeah. Bring on. It's like now that they're finally here, I'm like, oh, shit, that's the Nets. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> But I do agree with you. I, I, I should be presenting myself as as confident as I have been feeling up until this moment. So a little little shook by the odds there, but I, I do agree with you, Jay. I want to I drop a little stat here for you, a nice little chunk of stats. Uh, this is from Half Court Hoops, who just released a really good write-up on like the technicalities and the strategies for both teams going into this specific Net Celtics matchup. Regarding the ISO stuff that we were talking about and on our switching defense, there have been 13 players in the NBA who have defended ISO possessions over 100 times this season, with the Celtics having three of those players on that list. And that's Al Horford, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams. Horford ranks second, Grant Williams ranks fourth, and Rob Williams ranks seventh on that list, all holding their opponents to under 0.89 points per play. So, you know, here I am, Jay, worrying about defending isolation. We've got three of the top seven isolation defenders. Rob is unfortunately going to miss maybe some or all of the, the series there. But um, just if I took any listeners too far down that, that road of worry, hopefully this sort of helps bring you back a little bit. Um, any other thoughts there, Jay, on uh, like strategy or anything like that going into the series before we move on to the Ben Simmons news? <laughs> <laughs> I, think it, I think it's just got to be, you know, we've just got to trust what we've been seeing. And, and I totally get it because we've seen a lot of disappointment after a lot of enthusiasm, we've had a couple of years where it seemed like it was just written in stone that we should be destined for greatness. We had 
some really great teams and rosters get assembled and we got really let down. We we got really disappointed. And it's hard, I think, after an experience like that and multiple experiences like that, right, to to open yourself up to love again. <laughs> like I totally get it. You're right. I totally get it. <laughs> but but you know what? You, you just you gotta enjoy the ride. You know, like the roller coaster, it's it's only fun if it's scary. You know what I mean? Like the stars only shine in in the darkness of the night sky. You know, like it's <laughs> you just you got to take it. It's part of life. And you you, you got to I think for me, I just try to enjoy all aspects of it. And, uh, you know, if you're if I'm going to be emotionally invested for me, um, I I at this point now, I try to. To always sort of compartmentalize that uh, the emotionality and and remind myself that, you know, considering how I emotionally respond to this team during all these different types of experiences, whether it's up or down is an opportunity to practice how I manage stuff in more serious circumstances outside of yeah, it. You know really what I mean? Like it's, it's a training ground right. and it's amazingly enjoyable, <laughs> you know, cause it's the greatest game in the world. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm built this way. I'm almost the opposite where, you know, things in life come up and I, I, <laughs> fine, I, can, I can deal with those things in, in real life because I... You don't want to be built like me, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I just, for whatever reason, the things that affect the Celtics affect me I'm on an emotional level. Nothing beyond that, but on an emotional level, like I, yeah, I no, feel I, that stuff more than most other things in life. Yeah. I guess that's why we're here doing this podcast, right? Because that's who we it's are real. as people. It is real. Um, I kind of buried the lead there, Jay, but Jeff Goodman, who is a basketball analyst, quote unquote, <laughs> at Stadium, says the plan is for Ben Simmons to return <laughs> to action in game one of round one, that's against us, of the NBA playoffs. That means that Ben Simmons could potentially make his debut at Boston on Sunday, should Brooklyn win tonight. Of course, they did. Then again, Ian Begley, who I think is quite uh, closely tied in with the Nets there, he reported yesterday that Ben Simmons hasn't even started sprinting yet. Jay, I'll get to you in a second, just very quickly. There's a Reddit user comment uh, from Isaac F5 who said, how can you go from doing only no contact workouts to playing in a playoff game in the span of a week? It seems somewhat far-fetched to me. I agree. It's a little little dodgy there, Jay. What do you think? Yeah, it's a little dodgy. <laughs> it's extremely dodgy. <laughs> I mean, what is going it, on there? It's, uh, yeah, listen, so <laughs> Ben was cracking me up in this game because Ben Simmons that is uh, you were cracking me up too you had a, you. <laughs> but but Ben Simmons this dude is on the bench and he's like he's doing golf claps throughout the entire game but he's not like there's no smile like this dude is so dead yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and maybe he's just that focused maybe he's just laser locked in right maybe he's just you know Doubt it. but and he's wearing Celtics green like it's really hard to get a read on where his head is at he's wearing like Celtics green lambskin. He likes the sensation of feeling like there's nothing there. Um, you know, maybe there's nothing there. I don't, I don't know. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to speculate. That's, that's the national media's job. Uh, the idea of him coming back from, from the, you know, the, the injuries that have been reported, uh, especially the back stuff. I mean, I'm not going to act like I have any kind of medical knowledge on any of this stuff, but if, if history's any sort of lesson to learn from my experience as a fan watching has been folks that come back in the playoffs. And we saw this with Gordon Hayward, like unless it's a pretty superficial thing, it's hard to have a real significant impact without a little bit more time to really get immersed in and like jive with these new players. And he's brand new to everything that's going on with them. And 
he's a smart enough player and he's a good enough player because as much as I'll shit on Ben Simmons for a lot of like he is a good basketball player whether he shoots or not he's a good basketball yeah. player and and good basketball is universal so like but at this level and crunch time situations and dealing with the high pressure of, of what the Celtics have been able to really get themselves to do like like a fine-tuned machine it seems a lot like smoke screening and just trying to keep like question marks up in the air about what to expect and be able to game plan for. Definitely. Ultimately, I mean, I don't, I just don't think the Celtics care. Like if Ben Simmons wants to come, the Celtics have shut down Ben Simmons before when he was alongside Embiid. I don't think the Celtics are scared of Ben Simmons at all. And they're sending all this PR stuff out that he's shooting and he looks great. Okay. We've come seen on. it before. I want to see We've it. We've seen it before. Oh, let Ben Simmons <laughs> Show up game one and come out shooting shots. I love it. <laughs> yes, let that be their plan. That is great news. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If he proves me wrong, I'll be the first one to come on the pod and be like, I'll eat my crow <laughs> and I, I'll take the L. Like, I will. I just, I don't believe it. I'll believe that when I see it. If we lose because Ben Simmons was the tipping point, we might just have to shut the podcast down. I don't know if we can come back. I don't know if we can do this anymore. <laughs> <That happens. laughs> We're done. Yeah. We're done. If Ben Simmons is the reason why we lose a series against the New Jersey Nets in the playoffs, then yeah, we we've got some conversations we have to have with ourselves about <laughs> what's what's next. <laughs> I uh, I worry defensively. It just means there's one less crack that we can exploit. Like Ben Simmons, it's probably. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an NBA player, but it's easy to imagine that you could come back and like play defense, particularly given that he was already like an all defensive all defensive NBA player. Uh, offensively, I don't really quite understand how it works. It's taking the ball. Like, in order to let Ben Simmons do what he does, you've got to take the ball out of Durant and Kyrie's hands, and they're already so ball-dominant. Especially Kyrie's. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we saw that that was a detractor for them, even with James Harden, who is, you know, um, for the last few months excluded, a better player than, than Ben Simmons. So, offensively, it doesn't concern me. Defensively, it just makes life harder for the Jays, and that's a, that's a problem for us. I have a hot take on Ben Simmons and... There's a direct correlation between Patty's, uh, Patty Mills' production dropping off and Ben Simmons arriving on the team. And I think that's because Patty Mills' role transitioned entirely to he's an Australian PR promoter for Ben Simmons right from his arrival. He's got an image that needs to be rebuilt. It's got to be stressful. You know, it is kind of stressful. As an Australian, you're talking to another American and it's like, well, it's Ben Simmons dickhead like what, what do you think about that and the, the first point you're always hurrying to make is that it doesn't reflect on us as a nation right and so that weight is now bearing down on Paddy Mills shoulders and has clearly affected his game out there on the court so I don't know what that means as far as the playoffs and what we can expect but uh I think there's something to that that's a that's you know I, I that's hot but I think it's also nuanced I think that's I think that's thoughtful because you know I think sometimes we don't always put as much consideration into the psychology of the game. Like we will, we'll talk about it sometimes in generalized ways and we'll use a lot of tropes and, and kind of um, cliches, but you know, what's been interesting the last handful of years, maybe kind of gradually over the last decade, the way that the NBA has kind of opened itself up to talking more openly and publicly about mental Mm -hmm. health and stuff like this. But I think even in a broader sense, um, just as, as you know, a, a global society, we've kind of, become a bit more sensitive and attentive to the impact or or the value of sort of, you know, mental health, not even as like, you know, considering it as ill. I, I hate the fact that oftentimes when you say mental health, people immediately assume like illness or some kind of diagnosis. But like when I'm saying mental health, I'm, I'm talking just about, you know, cognitive psychology, like we're just how people think and behave and all that. 
And it is. It's a big deal. I mean, it's a really big. It's why it's why I think it's one of the biggest reasons why coaching is so important, because a coach plays such a pivotal role in helping to manage and maintain the psychology of a team through the course of a season and through the pressure situations of the playoffs. And I think that's why we've seen a lot of these coaches lately um, with this, you know, the way the NBA has grown and developed. You, you notice a lot of the coaches, they're they're not as animated and sort of blowhardish as they kind of were in days past. Like you used to see coaches just like freaking all over the place, breaking clipboards all the time, you know, and just being crazy animated, you know, and I'm not, you can still see coaches get worked up and, and but you, it's, it is different now. You're seeing a lot more composure. You're seeing more steadiness. And I, I think that's a, that's a really good thing. I think, <laughs> I, I, I think, and I, your take brought that to mind because I, you're, you're speaking to something I think does deserve a higher level of consideration. I, I agree with you. I'm glad that my stupid take brought something good in, onto this podcast because I, I think what you're talking about that is was, a, <laughs> yeah, not a stupid take. You stop all that. <laughs> well, I think it's, what you're talking about is actually a really good, legitimate point. Is this a normal thing for <laughs> for you for folks in Australia to be like this, this crazy, like self-deprecating and, and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you need to get more brash, my yeah. man. <laughs> we get it from the uh, the mother country, from the English, and we, we can't see the shaker yet. Oh, Maybe no. a few more generations <laughs> time, we'll, we'll flush it out of our system. But it's a uh, it's there to stay for now. <laughs> Jay, I think that's going to do it for this one. We, we took our little humble 30-minute post-gamer. We've, we've run 46 minutes here, so we're running long. Um, we will, of course... Don't put me out of don't put me out of pod and think it's going to be short. <laughs> I I'm apologize. <laughs> apologize. We will of course be back shortly after game 1 on Sunday or if you're in Australia that's like 5:30 a.m. in the morning. So good luck to all those folks getting up at the crack of dawn. Jay, thanks so much man. Enjoy this quiet few days before things get crazy on Sunday. Thank you too sir. Appreciate it. All right folks, until next time, go Celtics. Peace.